0: Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. I begin a new series this morning called I Have Questions. I'm excited about this series. I think that uh, you're gonna learn some things. This would be a great series for you to invite uh, your friends to. If you have a friend that describes themselves as an atheist or an agnostic, or if you have someone in your life that is somewhat skeptical of faith, and, and if you think you could get them to come to church one Sunday with you, the next couple of weeks might be a great time for you to take your shot and see if you can't get them here to help you. Um, I, I want to start today by asking you the question, have you ever gotten stuck? Have you ever uh, gotten stuck in a job or in a relationship, maybe in a marriage where you just, you just life in general, just, you just feel like you've gotten stuck and you're not making any progress? There's no forward movement We love forward movement, which means the idea of getting stuck is one of the worst things in the world that can happen to us. I saw a YouTube video not long ago of a a guy that was in a truck and he had pulled his truck out into sand and he had gotten stuck in the sand. Now, the more he tried to get the truck out of the sand... The worse it got. The more he accelerated, the more the wheels spun, the more the wheels dug into the sand, and they just got buried further and further into it. I wonder how many of us feel stuck like that in our faith. You ever feel stuck in your faith? Have you ever been there? Maybe you uh, stopped believing. Maybe for you, it wasn't that you, you didn't believe, but you just didn't feel any forward progress anymore you 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 know there was a point where you were making all this progress and then all of a sudden it just came to a screeching halt and you couldn't you couldn't get any further at one time maybe your prayer life had been this vibrant thing you were reading your bible you were memorizing verses you 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 know everything was clicking for you Um, you would read the bible and it felt like god was speaking directly to you things were popping off the page at you and 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 you were ingesting all this new material and growing like a little weed, and you were consistent in your your church attendance, you were vocal about your faith, your faith was humming, pretty much hitting on all cylinders, um, and then something happened. And you're not even really sure what it was that happened, that that caused this this change, but you stopped praying all of a sudden, and you you're, your, you know, To you, Bible reading became somewhat of a chore, and you quit going to church, and whenever it came time to talk about your faith, you just kind of clammed up, and you didn't want to talk about it anymore. Have you ever felt stuck? This is a series for anyone who has ever felt struck. Maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe you know someone who is in that space, and you see what they're going through, and you just want to avoid it. Um, we're going to look at three questions in this series. Today we're going to talk about how did I get stuck and how do I get unstuck? Next week we're going to ask the question is Jesus really the only way? That's a big thing for some people. That's a real struggle point for them when we say that. And so we're going to talk about why that is the case. Why that why does Christianity say that is Jesus the only way? And and then week 3 we're going to talk about is the Bible Accurate and reliable. I think that that's one that you're probably going to want to be uh, a part of so today I want to talk to you about two reasons people get stuck in their faith reason number one We get stuck in our faith when we try out faith instead of training for faith When we try out faith instead of training for faith. We want a growing faith without any cost Uh, People who work out in gyms (laughs) oftentimes will take the first two weeks of January off. Do you know why they do that? Because the rest of us make our New Year's resolutions and we're going to work out and we're going to lose weight and we're going to go to the gym and so we start after January 1st and we go to the gym. And the people who've been training all along, they take those two weeks off a lot of the time because here's what they know. They know that we're going to start working out in the gym. But we're not going to keep working out in the gym, and they know that it takes about two weeks for most of the newbies to fizzle out. So they just take a vacation; uh, they they take it easy for the first two weeks of January, and then they start to head back to the gym because they know that most of the time by then, most of the newbies will have already fizzled out, and and they won't be working out anymore. Um, you know, they they what they figure out is we tried, but we didn't train. There's a difference between trying and training. Here's what I want you to hear today. Trying can never match the power of training. We like the idea of trying in America. We like the idea that if we eat one piece of broccoli that suddenly we're going to lose 10 pounds, but that's not how it works. We, we, we think... Uh, you know, trying for us is buying a lottery ticket in hopes that we'll win the lottery and thus solve all of the financial problems that we have accumulated over years and years of bad money management, and we just think that, that you know, we'll just buy a lottery ticket and fix the whole thing. That's trying. That's not training. Training is hard. Training is being, uh, uh, trying is being a jerk of a husband to your wife for many, many years, and then all of a sudden doing one thing and expecting her to just forget all of the other mistreatment that you've done for all of those years. That's trying, that's not training. We have to get into training mode and it's amazing to me how much scripture tells us that we have to train to grow. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 34 says this, do you not know that in a race all the runners can run, but only one gets the prize? run in such a way as to get the prize how do you do that everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training here's a a great verse from the book of proverbs proverbs is just full of wisdom i love this train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it have you ever watched a parent try versus train with their child we have all seen this, you know. You're at you're at the store, and there's a mom, and she's got a little you know boy or a little girl there, and they're kind of toddling around her, and they're acting up, and they're 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 causing a scene, and the parent is over there saying, now you know, now Timmy, you need to stop. <laughs> you just you need to be good right now, Timmy. Don't do that, Timmy. You know that's not funny. Stop it, Timmy. And you're watching Timmy just completely steamroll his mother you're watching timmy completely take over the situation there's no way this mom is really going to take charge of this and timmy knows that so timmy keeps going and you hear the mother just say now timmy stop it you know if you if you don't stop right now we're gonna leave the store and you know when you hear her say that she's not going to leave the store he keeps it up he keeps it up Timmy, this is the last time. This is the last chance I'm going to give you. Timmy knows he's got lots more chances, right? He just keeps it up. He keeps it up. And then finally, what the mother does is she doesn't leave the store with her child. She doesn't take him to a corner and discipline him. She looks at Timothy, and now she starts to bargain. Timothy, if you'll stop, we'll, give, we'll get some candy. Timmy, Timothy, if you'll stop, we'll, we'll get a toy. You know, I'll buy you something. And so she's negotiating, with this three or four-year-old, and it never works. That is trying as a parent. That is not training. What is training as a parent? Training is backing up your words with actions. Let me tell you something. Uh, I have left restaurants with my kids to take them to the car to make sure that they understood that the behavior they just exhibited in the restaurant was not going to fly. Okay, we got up, we left the restaurant, we went out, and we had a conversation (laughs) about what was going on. I've watched parents tell their kids to stop, tell them to stop, threaten to take them to the car, threaten to take them outside, and they never do. That's trying. Training is you do the work. Training is you take action. Training is you do the thing that has to be done. Um, Listen, by the time we got to the car, my kids knew that their life was pretty close to over, and the, the bad behavior pretty much... Straightened up because they knew they weren't going to get away with that There's a difference between trying and training. I've watched parents tell their kids. No from the couch But what you have to do is you have to get up off the couch Training is you get yourself up off the couch so that you can get to them and communicate the message clearly So that they understand that you're not playing around You know if you just sit on the couch and tell them to stop and that's as far as it goes that's trying Training is. I'm going to get up off the couch. Married people, <laughs> you can either try to be a good spouse, or you can train to be a good spouse. You know, I love the guy that says, "Brett, I done told her in 1972 that I loved her. If anything changes, I'll let you. Know. I told her I'd let her know." Well, that's trying. You know, training is you take her out to dinner, you have a date night, you sit down, you look her in the eye, you you listen to her, talk about her day, you you show some interest, you care. Training is reading a marriage book now and then. Training is maybe going to a marriage conference or going to a retreat somewhere or seeking out somebody that's older than you that has maybe been at a place, is at a place where you want to be someday and saying, hey, tell me about how You've been successful in your marriage. Tell me what works for you. Tell me what what can I do to make my marriage better. Training might be counseling. It might be that you just go and, and get some counseling. You can try. But when you start training to be a really good spouse, that is when everything changes. Most of the time, all we're doing is trying. Here's a question for you. Why would we believe we can grow in our faith by training trying versus training when that strategy doesn't work in any other area of our life 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 says rather train yourself to be godly we don't train ourselves to be made right with god you know we don't train ourselves to have salvation you can't earn god's forgiveness you can't earn salvation we know that Um, salvation is a free gift from god it's something that he gives to us it's something that from his mercy and his grace he gives us but once you go all in with jesus now the training begins paul goes on in verse eight for physical training is of some value but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come See, it's not just about getting baptized. I think sometimes people think that our, our total goal here is just to get people baptized. That is not the goal. That's not everything that we're trying to accomplish as we try to win people to Christ. Um, once you come out of the baptistry, we want you to become everything that God uh, desires for you to be. We believe that you have a redemptive potential, and we want to see you reach that redemptive potential. Our goal at Cross Lane is to see you baptized, um, saved, baptized, and then trained up. We we want you to grow. We want you to learn. We want you to mature. We want you to be baptized, and shortly after you get baptized, we want to see you start to make attendance at church a regular thing, that it just becomes who you are. You know, On Sunday, you're going to be found at church. You're going to be found plugged into the things that are going on at church. Then maybe, you know, we we would love to see you join a group and and have a, a group of people around you that can support you and and teach you and pray for you and get plugged in with some friends. Then you begin to serve. And when you serve you start to use your gifts and you get to meet even more people and you there's this feeling that comes from being used by God as a servant. We want you to feel that feeling. Then we want you to take control of your finances and and, and honor God with your money. And then we want you to begin to share your faith and to tell other people what God has done in your life to change your life. And then maybe we would like to see you set your sights on leadership, you know, and say, hey, I've learned these things. I'm going to start pouring into other people and try to mentor and, and try to make a difference for the kingdom in that way. These are the things that will grow you in your faith when you begin to do them. But for many of you, you have been trying, you have not been training. And when you do that, you're going to get stuck. Trying can never match the power of training. Can never match it. So Brett, what do I do? Well, here it is. Take the next step. You know, move past just trying and step into Training so that's the first reason people get stuck second reason is this God intended our training to engage our whole selves Head heart and hands we get stuck when we overtrain one and neglect The others listen to how clear Jesus is in talking about how we should grow our faith this comes from mark chapter 12 verse 30 love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength you have to engage the whole self if you really really want to grow in your faith see we, we train our head that's where we uh, you know we want to learn all these things that represents your mind growing in knowledge and wisdom and 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 learning god's word and knowing all about him and that's a good thing and that's something that you should pursue then we talk about the heart and how we we want our You know the center of our emotions we want our emotions and our feelings to line up with what we know about Christ and what we know about him from scripture we want those two things to line up but it's not just the head and it's not just the heart we talk about the hands also the hands is, is you know it represents our will. It represents what we do, it represents how you know we learn something, we feel something, and then we start to do something and it starts to make a difference in how we live out our life. And we get stuck when we overtrain in one of those areas to the detriment of the others. And, and all of us have a tendency to lean into one of those three areas that I just talked about. There's probably one that you have a tendency to, to focus on to the exclusion of the other two, and we all have that tendency. Now, talking about this kind of reminds me of this guy, and I blotted out his face because he doesn't deserve to have this you know, public disgrace, but um, just look at his arms and then look at his legs. Right, you, This is a guy who skipped leg day. He's worked his arms out really good, but I'm not sure that the legs have ever seen a squat machine or a press or anything like that. Some of us are like that with our faith. There are certain parts of our faith that are really strong because we work those muscles, and there's other parts where we're just completely ignoring any growth in that area of our life. So let's talk for a minute about these three types of Christians that can get out of balance, and as we go through these, uh, we want to ask the question, which one of these represents me the most like of the three things that i'm about to talk about i want you to start listening for well that that's one that i really struggle with that's something that's an area that i need to address so here's the first one the first one is the feed me more christian this is the person who trains in head knowledge and it's all about what they know this is somebody who is focused on knowing more about the bible versus applying the bible that they already know these people remind me of baby birds in a nest have you ever seen a mama bird come back with a worm and the the baby birds see mama coming and they all extend their their heads and and they open their mouth and they start to scream all at the same time that's what this person reminds me of you know feed me give me more give me more give me more think about working out and training if all you ever did were were to read books on lifting and to read books on, on um, Yoga and read books on on you know right diet and things like that, but you never worked out Would you expect to get in better shape? Would you expect to lose any weight? No? You wouldn't what what think about if you just sat around all day and all you did was ate more all the time Are you going to get in shape by doing that? No? That, does, that doesn't work. It is possible to have too many Christians running around fat and happy because they're way more focused on gaining head knowledge on what they know, how many Bible verses they know, how well they know their Bible, than they are doing the stuff that they already know. And can I just say right there that that is a huge hindrance to evangelism many times? One of the great critiques of the church over years and years is, oh yeah, they know their Bible, but they don't live their Bible. And that becomes a problem when we just fill our head with head knowledge, but it doesn't go any further than that. More Bible knowledge does not automatically correlate to spiritual growth. Let me ask you this question. Who in the Bible in Jesus' day knew the most about the Bible? Who knew the most about the Bible in Jesus' day? The answer to that are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They knew it better than anybody else. They had From the time they were little, they had begun to try and memorize the first five books of the Bible, what we would refer to as the Pentateuch or the law. They knew it backward and forward. They they knew it better than anybody else in society. The problem is they're the ones that fought, fought with Jesus the most. They're the ones who defied the teachings of Jesus. It was the Pharisees. Jesus looked at a Pharisee and he said, you are the least spiritual person in the room. Knowing more does not equate to spiritual growth. So what does? Living it out. Applying what you know, applying what you've heard, and living it out. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Bible knowledge does not correlate to spiritual growth. Do you know what does? Bible application. Bible application correlates to spiritual growth. Bible application is directly correlated to spiritual growth. We focus so hard sometimes on knowing more that we forget to live out what we already know. You know, I started this message with an illustration about the guy who got his truck stuck in the sand. That was a YouTube video and um, I watched that video because he was going to explain what you do in a situation like that. Do you know what you're supposed to do if you ever get stuck in the sand? He, he got his truck stuck in the sand, he accelerated, got the wheels pretty, pretty embedded in the sand and then he, he, he showed everybody how to get out and the way he got out of the sand was he got out of the truck, he deflated the tires on his truck and when he deflated the tires, he was able, the, the tires then got grip and were able to get out of the sand. See, before, the tires were so puffed up that they were slick to the sand. There was nothing for the tire to grip. And so all the tire could do was spin in the sand. But when he deflated the tires, then they were able to grip the sand and he was able to get out. Christians can get so puffed up with knowledge with so little application that they're just spinning and spinning and spinning their wheels first corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 says this but knowledge puffs up while love builds up those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know but whoever loves god is known by god you ever seen that person who walks around you know and i know more than you and i know a lot about the bible and um, I, i know more than you and i know more than you and you know, you you want to look at that person sometimes and say, "Well, who cares?" Because you're still a jerk, right? I mean, you can know all the Bible, and if you if you're just arrogant about it, and you don't ever really do anything, it doesn't humble you. It doesn't make you a, you know, a a, a more Christ-like Christian. You just come off to people as a jerk. That verse talks about love builds up. You want to know who's not just reading their Bible, but is applying it as well? You start looking for the person who is loving others when you see someone who's loving others They're not just reading their Bible. They're applying their Bible look for the person who is an encourager When you see somebody who is encouraging other people one of the things you can be assured of is that's somebody that reads their Bible And is making application look for the givers Look for the ones who don't hoard things, but they give their things away. You find someone like that, chances are good you've found someone who has not just read their Bible, but they have applied the things that they've been reading. I, I know I say this all the time, but it, it really is the truth, and it's something that we must never forget. Most Christians are educated far beyond their level of obedience. We, we really are. So many Christians are so focused on feed me, feed me, feed me, and there's no focus on applying all of the things that they've been fed over time. I am not up here teaching you every week to make you a Bible scholar. That is not my goal as a pastor or a preacher. I mean, it's good if you know your Bible. I think it's a good thing to want to know the Bible. But that's not the end game here, is to to have you leave and say, well, I got it, you know, I know it. I'm teaching you on Sunday morning so that on Sunday night when you hit a situation, you're able to execute and and to do the things that will glorify Christ. I'm, I'm hoping that when you go to work on Monday morning, you will be able to apply the word that you heard and hear on Sunday morning. I'm not up here this morning or any morning, really, to show you how smart I am. That's not my goal. I'm trying to help you grow. I'm trying to help you figure out a way to let Jesus make you better. And he will. He absolutely will make you better if you will apply the things that he says and the things that you hear him say. You know, I think back to the first time when I went off to Bible college and the first time I came home after I'd gone to Bible college, and I hadn't been there probably a month before I came back home. Um, it was about a four, four and a half hour drive for me. And, and I remember being so excited to come back to my home church and show everybody how much smarter I was and how, what a Bible scholar I was and, and you know, how much I knew about Scripture and I strolled into my adult Sunday school class, and I was going to show them how smart I was. And I think back to how, just how arrogant I was in those days. I remember taking my first ministry at Seymour, Indiana. And, and uh, you know, I just felt like I just knew so much. I Here I am, this Bible college graduate, as if that meant something. And, and I, I just really thought that I was so much smarter about scripture than everybody else. And man, did God humble me time and time again in those days. He had to. Uh, I was never going to be of any use to him if I did not get over that arrogance of thinking that I was so much smarter than everybody else. And what I came to understand is, Brett, you you don't know nothing, right? (laughs) I mean, that's where you have to get sometimes. You have to get to that place where you realize, man, I'm uh, for for all of the stuff that I may think I know, I haven't made very good application. And that's really the key. you, you got to focus on application and not just head knowledge, or you will get stuck. Now, now we go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, the opposite end of the feed me spectrum is the, the feelings-focused Christian. They have an over-reliance on their emotions and their feelings. This is somebody who is completely focused on listening to their heart and their feelings versus the truth of God's Word. Um, Roxette put out a song in, in 1988 that maybe you have heard. Give a listen to this. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Really? there's, There's nothing else that we should listen to. We should just listen to our heart. How about listen to a friend? How about listen to a parent? How about instead of listening to your heart that you listen to God's word? Listening to your heart is what got you into the mess you might be in right now. What if you listen to your heart, and what if it tells you to do something that is contrary to God's Word? What do you do then? Here's a question for you. Have you ever listened to your heart and made a really stupid decision? That's pretty much all of us in the room, right? We've all done that. Spring break, anybody? (laughs) Dating relationship? You know, you, you... you, you, you heard yourself say one time he's the one. I know he's the one. I just know it My heart is telling me this is the right guy and six months later. Where is that relationship, right? I mean that happens all the time that financial purchase that you made bread It was just so fine, fine Shiny and cool and new and different and it just felt like the right thing to do Let me let me break off a little piece of wisdom for you from God's word right now Jeremiah verse 17 verse 9 the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You listen to your heart and you are going to be in big trouble your whole life. And that's what some of us have done, right? We've just listened to our heart. And our heart has led us down paths that we never should have gone. That, that great bastion of wisdom, Paula Abdul, <laughs> said this. She said, break the rules, stand apart, Ignore your head and follow your heart. Well, listen, I love me some Paula Abdul. I really do. I like Paula Abdul, but she's just wrong about that, okay? She's just wrong. You are told all day long to follow your heart, and Scripture says the exact opposite. Scripture says your heart is deceitful above all things. It will trick you all the time. Here's a People magazine cover. And this, you know, there's a quote there. I followed my heart. You know, they go on Bachelorette and they're going to find their their soulmate on Bachelorette. I've never understood that really, but you know, here's the quote. I followed my heart. And I love this T-shirt. This is really funny. My head says Jim, but my heart says tacos. I should own one of those. That that would be a shirt that would look good on me probably. You have to align your heart with God's word. And if you ever rely on your heart and your feelings, if you're constantly seeking that next emotional, spiritual high, you will find yourself stuck in your faith all the time. You're never gonna move. Write this down. Your feelings aren't facts. Your feelings aren't facts. In what other area of your life do you get to just say, I don't feel like it, right? You don't. You can't say that in other areas of your life. I don't feel like driving on the right-hand side of the road. You can't say that. I don't feel like observing the laws of gravity from this 12-story building. You better not say that. I don't feel like paying my taxes. I don't feel like feeding the baby today. Let that go two or three days and let me know how that works out for you. Seriously, when did we just get to the place where we just listen to our feelings and do whatever we want? But some of us have got stuck in our faith because we we have failed to be able to balance our heart and our head and to know God's word and to know how to make application So here's the last one and some of you are thinking thank goodness because I'm he was killing me on that last one The last one is this the look good on the outside Christian some people overfocus on hands without the heart this is somebody who focused on doing all the right things but often for the wrong reasons when i do the jesus talk this is one of the things that we talk about i talk about uh, you know this idea that we often do the right right thing but we do it for the wrong reason you can't do the wrong thing you can't do the right thing for the wrong reason because what eventually happens is you will stop doing the right thing you have to do the right thing and you have to do it for the right reason Guys, have you ever done something in the daytime in hopes that something might happen in the nighttime? And ladies, before you get too high and mighty and start looking at your husband, have you ever done something in the nighttime in the hopes that something else might happen in the daytime? Whole lot of elbowing going on right now. Um, Ever see a Christian do something to impress others? And you were pretty sure that their heart wasn't in it? You were pretty sure that they were just doing it for show. They were doing it to look good. I've seen people post things on social media uh, that tried to make them look so spiritual and so put together and so, you know, I'm such a Christian. I'm such a, you know, look at me. And you looked at, at the post and you thought to yourself, you know what, that doesn't match anything I know about that person. And it was all for a show. And it was really shallow. Isn't it true that on the outside things can look meticulous? But on the inside, things can be a mess. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands this morning, but I'm just wondering how many of you had the unholy hour before the holy hour this morning, right? You're driving, you're on the way to church, and things get heated, and all of a sudden you find yourself turning around, yelling at your kids, shut up! (laughs) And then right before you walk in the doors, you look at them and you say, okay, everybody, now let's go inside and worship Jesus, right? I mean, it happens. Jesus said this, Matthew 23, verse 25. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Proverbs is full of wisdom. Listen to this. Above all else, Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. If you find yourself looking good on the outside and you know that things are not right on the inside, it means that you have overtrained your hands and you have undertrained your heart. You have focused too much on what everybody else sees. I catch myself in this space all the time. I've been getting ready for a message, you know, when I'm getting ready to talk to you, I, I get my notes together and, and, uh, tr- and go over it and try and learn what I'm going to say. And many, many times as I'm preparing to, to preach or teach, um, it's happened more than once where I've just looked at something that I was about to say to you and I've, I've thought to myself, Brett, you don't even do that. You don't do that. And m- more times than one, I've had to push myself away from my desk and just kind of go into a period of prayer and just say god i'm not doing this and i'm sorry and you just kind of you know i've just had a moment of repentance a moment where i've i've tried to get my my act together a little bit to the best of my ability i want the outside to match what you know what people see i want that to match what's going on on the inside of me some days are better than others but that's really important to me now, which one are you which of these 3 that i've gone over this morning Are you the feed me, feed me, feed me Christian and you just want the head knowledge and and you focus entirely on how much you can learn and how much you can know or are you the feelings-based Christian? You're you're just completely focused on feelings and you listen to your heart way too much. Or are you the one who has everybody fooled and and your outside looks fantastic but the inside, man, it, it, it needs some work. Here's the challenge for you this morning. Whichever one of these is the toughie for you. If you're the feed me person, I wanna challenge you this morning. If you're all about what you can know and what you can learn, here's the challenge for you this morning. Put your faith into action. Serve somewhere. Give a tithe. Share your faith. Invite someone to church. Start focusing on application in your life. As your pastor, I would rather you know one verse and be working as hard as you can to implement that one verse than for you to know 20 verses and not do anything with them. I'd rather see you take one verse and know it and know it fully and be concentrating on trying to make that verse a part of your life than for you to know a whole bunch of verses and never do anything with it. Live it out. Are you the heart person? You listen too much to your feelings? You need to rely more on God's Word and not on your feelings. Start having a quiet time. Get yourself plugged into a small group. Figure out a way to input God's Word into your life. Let God's Word permeate your heart so that you don't make decisions based on what your heart and your feelings are telling you to do. And then you hands people. You're doing all the right things. You look great on the outside, but in your heart, it's dark in there. Maybe what you need to do is you just need to get alone with God or a good Christian friend and you need to start confessing your sin. Maybe you need you have some hidden sin that you need to to let somebody else know about. Maybe you've got some impure motives that you need to talk about with somebody. And you just need to find somebody that you can trust and sit down with them and and unburden yourself. You know, maybe you see in your heart that you've got some unchecked motives and and you you know you kind of Sometimes do things for the wrong reason. Maybe sit down before you do that and make sure that your motives are pure and right. Make sure that you have a good heart so that you aren't doing things to be seen by others, but that you are truly trying to do it because you want to serve God. Live for an audience of one. Live for God. Most of us have overtrained in one area of these three. Almost all of us have one that we kind of gravitate toward, and that's the one that we, we, we kind of focus on. And, and it can get you stuck. But when you want to get unstuck, what you have to do is you have to train. I'll take you back to that verse: "Love the Lord your God with all your soul, my heart, soul, mind and strength. Find some balance. Do you you know what is on the line in all of this? Your marriage. Your marriage is on the line. Your kids are on the line. Your relationships are on the line. Your ability to make a difference in the world is on the line if we don't get these things right. We can become so much more effective if we are balanced in these three areas. It's time to grow, (laughs) It's time to get unstuck. Let's pray together before we go. Father, it is true that we run into difficulties. It is true that we can look up and we have reached this place where there's no more forward movement. And I think for most of us, that is a, a, a point of frustration. And so as we've considered this morning, Lord, our head and our heart and our hands and our um, our penchant for being for being uh, more focused on one of those than the other two, we, we typically will will gravitate to one of those areas at the exclusion of the other two. I pray that you would speak to our spirit. I pray that you would show us how we can overcome some of that. And as we do, uh, Lord, I believe that that we will get unstuck in our faith. For the person that walked in here just ready to throw their hands up because they just They feel distant from you. I pray that what we've talked about today may be a help. God, you are so patient with us. You walk with us even as we try to figure these things out, and sometimes it takes us a long, long time. We're just thankful that you don't give up on us. We love you, we honor you, and we worship you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.